Well, happy Sunday morning to everybody. I'm so glad that you're able to join us here on the podcast as we continue our newest series called What's Going On in There. Uh, if you missed part one, you can uh, find it there on uh, in the Apple Podcast store or wherever you get your podcast uh, there. But I want to invite you now to turn your Bibles to Psalm chapter 77, as uh, today we're going to talk about something that in 2017, 300 million people were suffering from, and that number is only going up, especially right now during the COVID-19 pandemic. It's something that 20% of teen girls and 7% of teen boys are dealing with. We're going to talk about something that is the leading disability in the United States. It leads to $105 billion of lost wages each year. What we're going to talk about often leads to the 10th leading cause of death in the United States, which is suicide. This morning, we're going to talk about depression. Believe it or not, depression isn't a foreign topic to Scripture. We'll see well-known people such as Moses, Job, Elijah, and even David struggle with it to a degree from time to time. We should note uh, as we begin today that there are several different forms of depression. It can range from the blues uh, to something known as seasonal affectedness disorder, uh, you know, around uh, wintertime when the days of uh, sunlight are shorter and uh, things of that nature, uh, all the way up to major depression, which is the result of a chemical imbalance, and therefore it needs medical intervention as well as uh, counseling. One reason that many people, including many Christians, suffer from depression and silence is often the stigma that surrounds depression. Unfortunately, we, we need to be really honest here and say that the church hasn't always helped in this area. Some well-meaning, well-intentioned Christians say things such as, well, you know, Christians, they just shouldn't get depressed. Or, well, you just need to have more faith. Sometimes you'll hear people say, well, you just need to stop the pity party and pull yourself together. Now, I think the intentions behind such statements, they're often good, but they're not helpful. In many cases, it only causes people to suppress what's going on and choose not to get the help that they need, which unfortunately can lead to disastrous consequences. So this morning, we're going to uh, push the cliches aside. We're going to open our Bibles, and we're going to study what God's Word has to say about depression. What are the causes? And ultimately, what is the help for those who are battling this right now? Our one big thing this morning is going to be this, that we need to remind ourselves of who God is and what He has done for us. So let's look at it. Psalm chapter 77. We'll start in verse 1. It says, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. 
I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Salah. Thou holdest my eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I've considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with my own heart, and my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. Would you pray with me? Fathers, we begin this morning's Bible study. Lord God, I'm asking for your help and your wisdom. I pray for each person who is going to listen to this podcast. Lord, especially those who, if they were being honest, would admit that they're really battling depression right now or the blues or whatever it happens to be in this time of great uncertainty with fear and panic uh, dominating the news cycles. Lord, I just pray that you would speak into this situation, that you would speak into our hearts and into our lives. Lord, that we would lift our eyes up and remember that our help comes from the Lord. So Lord God, we ask this morning that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, the one big thing for this morning is that we need to remind ourselves of who God is and what he has done for us. So let's begin talking about the realities of depression. Depression is debilitating. Psalm 77 is written by Asaph. Uh, We don't have a lot of information about what's going on in his life, uh, but many Scholars believe that Psalm 77 is a companion to Psalm 74. And so he is uh, concerned about the state of the the temple and and many other things. Um, But really, regardless of what events led to the writing of the psalm, we can see some very powerful emotions recorded here. The fact that he says, I cried out to God, is conveying a very strong emotion. He's not just praying. He's not just going, hey, God, things are kind of bad here. I could use a little help. He is in deep, deep distress right now. His distress is so deep that he is struggling to sleep at night. He was experiencing deep emotional pain, according to verses two through four. It was so great that he was having a hard time forming thoughts and words. So whatever is going on, it is absolutely rocking his world. And I think if we could be honest right now, this is where a lot of people around the world and certainly within the United States, this is where they're finding themselves. That COVID-19 is just rocking everything. And so we need to understand that depression can be debilitating. But depression also causes us to think wrongly of God. Asaph is playing and replaying whatever's going on in his mind. It 
It's like a, a broken record. Have you ever felt that in your life? Like, I think at times we, we have all had events that happen and they just keep replaying in our mind over and over and over. And we play the futile game of what if. What if I would have done this? What if I would have said that? What if I would have been here? All of these what ifs start rolling around in our head and it robs us of the joy. It robs us of sleep. We're not able to think straight. We're, we don't feel like eating. All of these things. Now, whatever's going on, uh, what we see in verses 7 to 9 is Asaph believes that God is angry with them, that God is punishing him, and, and by extension, Israel. And, and he even believes that God has abandoned him. So let's just stop for a moment, and let's ask a, a question. Have you ever felt that way before? Do you feel that way right now? Do you feel like God is just angry? Maybe not because, you know, COVID-19. Maybe there are other things going on in your life. And you just feel God is angry. He, he's just punishing you. And maybe even you don't feel like God is near you anymore. I think one of the biggest things that we need to learn to do is to acknowledge our emotions. See, the emotions that we have, they're God-given emotions. What makes them either healthy or sinful is how we handle them, how we process them. Pretending that I'm not feeling certain things isn't going to deal with it. It's only going to make the situation worse in the long term. And so... Can you just be honest this morning that maybe you are feeling emotions that you're not used to feeling? Or maybe you are, but you're used to just pushing them down. In either case, we want to ask the question, what is the Bible's remedy for these wrong thoughts? And so God's remedy, the first thing I think we see in our text is that we need to remember who God actually is. Notice the change in language starting in verse 10. Asaph opens the psalm by using the words, I and my. However, starting in verse 10, he changes and he starts using the words, thou and thee. Or, so, what's happening? Well, when our focus is on ourselves, we only see trouble. Okay, when this starts and he's using I and my, all he sees is bad things happening all around him and to him. He feels powerless. He feels out of control. And so it's leading to frustration, uh, to despair, despondency, and of course, depression. But when we start to focus on God, we don't see our troubles in the same light. It's not that they're not there. It's that we begin to see them differently. And that's what we need to do. That's where we have to start, is getting our eyes off of ourselves, off of our circumstances, and onto the God who is bigger than our circumstances and able to use any and all circumstances for his glory and our good. And we can do this by remembering who God is. 
Asaph kind of formulates a, a plan, so to speak, to combat his depression. And part of that is to remind himself of who God is, what God has done in the past, and even to remind himself of the all-powerfulness of God. And that's really what we see uh, throughout the rest of this psalm. Asaph wants to remind himself, if God can do all that he has done in the past, then certainly God can do something about my present situation. Asaph asked the question in verse 13, who is so great a God as our God? I mean, he's the creator of it all. He is a miracle worker. I mean, whether you and I want to acknowledge this or not, there are miracles all around us. There's the, the miracle of birth. There's the miracle of those dealing with COVID-19 who uh, seem to be on death's doorstep, and now all of a sudden they're beginning to make a, a recovery. There's um, the miracle of salvation because we are dead in our sins without hope, without help. And yet God, through his sovereign action of dying on the cross and rising from the dead, can perform the miracle of taking someone who is dead in their sins and give to them life. Asaph is reminding himself that although the situation is too much for him to bear, nothing is impossible for God. You know, a lot of times we fail to to pray because we think we can handle a situation. Yet when we find ourselves in a crisis, when, when we feel overwhelmed, we tend to remember what we should have remembered in the first place. And that is, I need to be praying because this situation is bigger than I am. This is a situation that truly only God can intervene and change. It might be too much for Asaph to bear. But Asaph doesn't have to bear it himself. And I think this is a timely word for you and I. You know, so many of us, we're trying to carry around all these burdens right now. We're trying to figure it out with over 6 million people having lost their job or been furloughed. They're trying to figure out, how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? You know, parents with with kids are going, uh, how am I going to homeschool my kids? I still have to work. I'm essential. All of these things, and what happens is we fall into the uh, paralysis of analysis. And that is we start getting overwhelmed by everything going on, and, and we're trying to decide and figure every little detail out. But our circuits become overloaded. And it just, it, it freezes. It's kind of like, you know, if you have an older laptop and you try to upgrade it to the newest software, whether it's a Mac operating system or a Windows update, it, it goes through and all of a sudden you, you start to notice what was billed to be a faster update and better for computers is actually worse for yours because it's too much for your computer to be able to handle. Uh, I think there are a lot of people right now 
in the United States and around the world who seem to be dealing with a slow processor. And it kind of freezes up and locks up. And the reason is that processor was never designed to handle the burden that it's now trying to handle. And the same is true for you and I. We were never meant to carry the weight of the world and the burdens even of our own life. We were designed to be able to give those over to God and know that I may not be able to do something, but I know that God can and he will in the time that he knows is best. So just remember, you were never meant to carry this burden yourself. You were invited by the Almighty God to cast all your cares on him because he cares for you, 1 Peter 4, 7 says. Asa's proof that nothing is impossible for God is remembering how God delivered Israel out of Egypt. I mean, there was a Pharaoh who had an iron-fisted rule and a clasp on them and grasp on them that just wouldn't let go. And every time he said, oh yeah, I'll let you go, I'll let you go, he would change his mind until God finally broke the bonds of slavery. And they were set free. Asaph reminded himself that God hadn't abandoned him just like God had never abandoned Israel while they were slaves in Egypt. Nor had God abandoned them while they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Just as God was with Israel in the wilderness, Asaph knew that God was with him. And you and I, if we are a child of God, we can know that God is with us today. That he's, he's not left us or abandoned us. One of the best ways that you and I can learn to combat depression is to remember the promises that God has given us as his children. And to remember that his mercies are new every morning and that they never fail. That he cannot lie. That Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so remind yourself of the promises that are in Scripture, which means you and I need to be intentional about being in the Word. Another part of God's remedy is to remember what God has done at the cross. You know, as hopeless as the situation with COVID-19 seemed just a, a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago, all of a sudden, there seems to be a little bit of hope right now. Within our nation, the, the infection rate seems to be slowing. The amount of deaths needs, seems to be slowing. Uh, they're noticing that hot spots or fewer hot spots are showing up than they anticipated. Not only do we remember need to remember who God is, but we need to remember what he has done for us. If we ever doubt the love of God or the presence of God, all we need to do is to look back at the cross. You know, the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8.32, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If God would not withhold his son, 
do we really think that God would withhold anything that we truly needed? And listen, God didn't just give Jesus to us when we became quote-unquote good people. The Bible says he gave Christ to us when we were sinners. Now, I'm not saying that life is always easy or that things always go according to plan. Look at the last month. Look at everything that has been going on around the world and here in America. I don't think this is the way anybody really planned it. But in Christ, we have something greater than an easy life or the accomplishment of our plans. In Christ, we have what we could never get for ourselves, a relationship with God that is for now and for eternity. In Christ, we have something that the world can never give us and something the world can never take away from us, an unconditional love and acceptance by God. And that was accomplished at the cross where Jesus took our sin and he took our punishment. He became the sin offering for us. And then he arose on the third day so that we could live in victory, not having to fear life or death. The last part of God's remedy here is to be in community with other believers. What we see in verse 12 is that part of Asaph's plan to combat his depression was to be around and to talk with others. Brothers and sisters, the devil wants you and I to be isolated. When Satan gets us alone, he can go to work on our minds. That's why during this quarantine, why the rate of depression is going up, why the rate of suicide very well may go up. But God has given us a community of other believers to live life with. Let me ask you, who do you have in your life right now that is a Christian, who that you can call at any moment and you can ask them to pray for you and you know beyond the shadow of a doubt they will do it? Let me ask you, who are you living in community with right now? If you don't have a group of three to four people like that, I want to encourage you to do, do something after this message. I want you to start praying and ask God to reveal who in the church can be that for you. Because every single one of us need it. We need those people. And God has given us an entire community to belong to. That's why I've been saying over and over, the church is not a building we go to. It's a body we belong to. Part of being a responsible brother or sister in Christ in this area is knowing the warning signs of depression and suicide. So given a technical definition here, depression is described as a depressed mood, loss of interest, or loss of pleasure in activities, plus five or more of the following symptoms for two weeks or more. So if you feel down, 
you don't have interest in things that you used to like, or you're doing things, but they just don't seem to give you as much joy. And at least five of these things, and it's been going on for two weeks or more, then you need to reach out and get some help. And we're going to talk about it in just a minute. But here are some of the additional symptoms. Sleep issues. Whether you're not able to sleep or whether you are sleeping too much. A change in your appetite or your weight. Either you're eating everything that's not nailed down and gaining weight or you've lost your appetite and you're dropping it very quickly. Decreased energy or fatigue all day. If you slept all night, you should be able to get through most of the day and be able to function. Uh, unless now you could have some underlying issues such as sleep apnea or uh, things like that. But if you are getting good rest and you just are lethargic and you're tired all the time, then that's a symptom that something's not right. Difficulty concentrating or making decisions is a symptom. Recurrent thoughts of suicide hurting yourself is a huge red flag. So I want to say, if you know someone who is displaying some or most of these things, you need to speak up. It is your Christian duty to speak up. I know that you, you might be afraid, well, if I'm wrong, they're going to get mad. Or even if I'm right, they're going to get mad. Listen, you have to love them enough to put their needs ahead of your comfort and the potential that you might uh, feel a sting of rebuke. You need to pray with them. You need to offer help to them. Okay, if somebody says that they are thinking of harming themselves, if they have a plan, they've even thought about a plan, you need to do one of two things. You need to tell them, okay, I'm going to come over to your house right now, and you're going to let me in, and we're going to talk and pray, and I'm going to take you to the emergency room. And if they won't do that, then you need to tell them, okay, then you've crossed the line for me, and so I'm going to call the police, and they're going to come to your house, and they're going to take you to get evaluated. Now, again, I understand that that seems scary and you're thinking, well, maybe they're just having a bad moment. But listen, suicide takes a moment. It is not something to play with. If they need help, we need to be there to get them help. Depression is something that is serious and it can lead to disaster. So what are the best ways to help a person who's feeling down? Okay, maybe it's not clinical depression, uh, but they're feeling down. They're just not themselves. What are the best ways to help that person or a person who is uh, in the midst of clinical depression? The first thing I, I'm always going to tell you is pray with them and pray for them. I was on a Zoom call with 
some leaders of the state association, the SBCV, uh, this week. And it was amazing what we were talking about, a lot of what we're discussing now. But one of the best things that you can do, not only in praying with them, is just read scripture with them. Read them uh, the promises of God. Read them things like Psalm 91. Remind them of Psalm 23. Read it to them. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 8 is a great passage. Just read it with them and pray with them. If you're depressed or you're feeling down, you need to talk with your pastor. I, listen, I am not a medical professional. I am not going to pretend that I know everything there is to, to know about uh, mental illness and all of these things. But I can tell you that there is a spiritual component to mental illness, uh, which depression is, is part of it. Um, if you want to see more about that, I would encourage you, uh, you can go to our YouTube page, just search Westlake Baptist Church, and this past Wednesday, so April 15th, uh, we actually talked about this further in depth, and so I'd encourage you to go and, and watch that um, and see how the spiritual component is. So I can advise you on biblical issues. I can point you in the right direction of scriptural study. And at the same time that you and I are talking, or you're talking with your pastor if you attend another church, I'm going to tell you from, from my standpoint, I'm going to recommend that you go talk to a licensed counselor. Okay? A, a, a licensed Christian counselor. And there are some uh, in and around the Roanoke Valley. Um, I'm more than happy to talk to you and recommend some uh, to you. Uh, there, there's a couple of practices I know of. One I prefer. Um, and this is why I say that talking to a counselor is absolutely vital. They have gone to school for this. They understand it far better than I do. I believe that I and many pastors do a great disservice to our people by not recommending them to go see a licensed Christian counselor if there's concern about depression or other mental health issues. Again, while there's a spiritual component, and I believe that your pastor ought to be a part of this uh, solution, they cannot be the only part. I believe that God has given us counselors who understand it better. And so they can be dealing with the physical, mental, emotional, while at the same time we as pastors are helping deal with the spiritual. And I believe God has given both sides uh, for this. Um, finally, let me say this. If in the course of meeting with a licensed counselor, they recommend medication, then I, I would encourage you to listen to their professional medical opinion. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, this is part of the stigma that we talked about earlier. So I want you to hear this right now. To, to the person who is feeling down, who is battling depression, um, maybe those who have been scolded you know, by other Christians and 
or who just have an aversion to medication that can help with mental illness. I want you to hear this. You are not less of a Christian if you need medication. And just because you start medication doesn't mean that you're going to be on it for the rest of your life. Maybe you will be, maybe you won't. Clinical depression is not a lack of faith. It is not a pity party that you just need to get over. Clinical depression is a chemical imbalance in your brain. Willing and wishing it away will not fix the problem. It's not a lack of faith. It's not that you're a bad Christian. It means this. You and I live in a fallen world. Depression and all mental health disorders, they are proof of sin and the fall in Genesis 3. And therefore, this is why there is a spiritual component and there is spiritual help in these times. It's my prayer that this morning has been helpful to you or maybe to those who are going to battle this at a later time. I hope it's been eye-opening for you as well to see that depression is in Scripture. Because depression is part of the fall, it has the same spiritual cure as everything else that is broken in our world. And that's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, becoming a Christian doesn't necessarily mean that your depression is going to magically go awake. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you will have someone who is greater than your struggles right there with you every day, every step of the way. And he is giving you a family surrounding you to help you in all of this. And so as we close this morning, I just want to say, if I can pray for you, if I can help you, if you need, after listening to this, if you feel like you need a referral to a licensed Christian counselor, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. If you need to come in and talk about you know, spiritual guidance, we can set it up. Uh, as a face-to-face, -face, you know, socially distant uh, meeting, we can do it over the phone. Uh, we have video conference capabilities. The thing is, don't ignore it. Don't play with it. God in His grace and in His sovereignty is calling it out right now, pointing you to Himself as the help that you are desperately seeking. And so whatever we can do, please reach out. You can reach me, uh, Pastor Justin at westlakebaptist.org. You can reach us on uh, social media. Um, you can even call the office. It's 540-721-8784. So let's pray together as we close out our time. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to look into your word and to really study about an issue that is a much bigger issue than we often want to talk about. The reality is we all get down at times. 
But then you also, Lord, restore to us, as David prayed, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. But Father, sometimes because we live in a fallen world, our mind is rewired and we struggle. And Lord God, it is not your desire that we should struggle or feel alone or isolated, but rather it's your desire that we would be in communion with you and part of the community of your body. So Father, I pray for those who are listening this morning or those who are going to listen to it at a later date who are battling depression. Father, I pray that they would hear the hope of the gospel. I pray that they would hear that they are not alone. I pray that they would hear that there is help because you are our ever-present help in the time of need. You are our rock, our anchor, and our fortress. And so, Lord, we look to you this morning, crying out for help. Lord, I pray that those who are battling, feeling down or battling depression or some other mental illness, Lord, that they would no longer fight alone, that they would cry out to you and that they would reach out for help. Lord God, help us as the church to remove the stigma of mental illness in the church. Forgive us for those times of which uh, we have settled for meaningless cliches and in trying to somehow be super spiritual, we have done more harm than good. Father, help us to understand that we all are fallen. We are all broken. But by your grace, because of the cross and resurrection, we are not beyond repair. And so, Lord God, we pray, praising you for your gift of salvation, praising you for your help and your presence and the power in our lives. Be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, I want to say thank you so much for joining us. Uh, know that we love you. We're praying for you. And we can't wait to see you. Until next time, God bless.